Hello and welcome, I'm Fernando, a GP in the UK. Today we're looking at the nice updates published in November 2023, focusing on what is relevant in primary care only. We will be covering postural hypotension, empagliflozin for heart failure with preserved ejection fraction and acute respiratory infections. Make sure to stay for the entire episode because at the end I will go through the new tables published by NICE summarizing blood pressure targets in the hypertension guideline as well as in the guidelines on type 1 diabetes and CKD. If you wish to download a version of this table, I will put a link in the episode description. The episode is fairly short, so let's jump into it. The first clinical area is an update on the guidance on measuring and managing postural hypotension. This update is the result of an issue raised with NICE. The previous outdated guideline recommended that, for people with symptoms of postural hypertension, such as falls or postural dizziness, we should take the initial measurement of blood pressure either in the seated or supine position and then have the blood pressure measured again with a person standing for at least one minute. This is to establish if there is a significant blood pressure drop when the person is standing. However, it was queried that measuring blood pressure in the sitting rather than in the supine position, followed by the standing position, may miss a significant proportion of postural hypertension cases, particularly in older and frail people. So, following the review, it was decided that, based on international consensus, supine to standing blood pressure measurement is the best practice and it is preferable to the sitting to standing measurements. Therefore, the guideline was updated along these lines. However, the guidance still says that if it is inconvenient to take the blood pressure measurement in the supine position, a seated position may be considered. This change affects not only the guideline on hypertension, but also the guideline on transient loss of consciousness. So, in summary, the new recommendations state that when checking for postural hypertension, the lying down or supine position is preferred to a seated position. Then we will recheck the standing blood pressure after at least one minute of the patient standing. And if the systolic blood pressure falls by 20 or more, or diastolic blood pressure falls by 10 or more, then we will diagnose postural hypotension. In that case, we will consider the likely causes, including a medication review. We will manage the risk of falls appropriately, and we will consider referral to specialist care if symptoms persist. However, if the blood pressure drop is less than these thresholds despite a suggestive history, then we will repeat the measurements with the person lying down if the first measurement was taken while seated. And we will refer the person for specialist cardiovascular assessment if the symptoms persist and remain unexplained. As a reminder, we should check for postural hypertension in people with symptoms such as falls or postural dizziness, as well as for people with type 2 diabetes and those aged 80 or over. And we must also remember that if there is a significant postural drop or there are symptoms of postural hypertension, we will treat to a blood pressure target based on the standing blood pressure. Finally, on a separate issue, NICE will no longer use in the guidelines the term orthostatic hypertension and they will only use the term postural hypertension instead. The second clinical area refers to the use of empagliflozin for treating chronic heart failure with preserved or mildly reduced ejection fraction. 
You may be aware that empagliflozin is already recommended for chronic heart failure with reduced ejection fraction in adults and that dapagliflozin is recommended for both heart failure with reduced and preserved ejection fractions. And following this update, empagliflozin is now recommended as an option for chronic heart failure with preserved or mildly reduced ejection fraction. Although it should only be started on the advice of a heart failure specialist. And let's remind ourselves that chronic heart failure with preserved or mildly reduced ejection fraction is usually treated with standard care using loop diuretics and treatment for other comorbidities that the patient may have. And following a recent NICE update, patients may also have dapagliflozin. Empagliflozin works in a similar way to dapagliflozin and evidence shows that empagliflozin also reduces cardiovascular mortality and hospitalizations for heart failure. There is no clinical trial evidence directly comparing empagliflozin with dapagliflozin, but when adjustments for clinical trial differences are made, the comparison suggests that both drugs have similar clinical effects on quality of life. Also, because empagliflozin has similar costs to dapagliflozin, empagliflozin can therefore be recommended too. The third and final clinical area is on the initial management of suspected acute respiratory infection. And, to be honest, this update is hardly worth mentioning because it only spills out what we have always been doing, that is, that the thresholds for treatment and referral may be lower for people who are more likely to have a poor outcome, for example, people with comorbidities or multimorbidity, and people who are frail. So we may be justified prescribing antibiotics early or admitting those patients who we are most worried about because of their age, frailty or medical conditions. And now, as promised, let's have a look at the two tables that NICE have produced to clarify the blood pressure targets. But we must first remember that there are separate guidelines for hypertension in pregnancy. And there are two tables, one for the under 80s and one for those aged 80 and over. And these tables cover people with hypertension with or without type 2 diabetes, as well as people with CKD or type 1 diabetes. So, in the under 80s, we have two targets, below 140 over 90 for those with hypertension with or without type 2 diabetes, type 1 diabetes and ACR less than 70, and CKD and ACR less than 70. The second target is below 130 over 80 for those with type 1 diabetes and ACR of 70 or more, and CKD and ACR of 70 or more. And in those aged 80 and over, we have three targets. The first one below 150 over 90 for those with hypertension with or without type 2 diabetes. Or, and this may come as a surprise, type 1 diabetes regardless of ACR levels. Then it is below 140 over 90 for those with CKD and ACR less than 70. And finally, it's below 130 over 80 for those with CKD and ACR of 70 or more. We have come to the end of this episode. Remember that this is not medical advice and it's only my summary and my interpretation of the guidelines. You must always use your clinical judgment. Thank you for listening and goodbye.